Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. On Monday afternoon, I spoke to Jeff Gray, who covers Ontario politics for The Globe. We talked about what happened over the third weekend of protests against public health mandates. Well, we had things start to change Friday when the premier announced a state of emergency and uh, threatened new penalties for anyone blocking bridges or roads or critical infrastructure, uh, $100,000 in fines and um, a year up to a year in jail. We don't know that anybody actually uh, received those penalties. This happened amidst intense pressure to end the blockade of the Ambassador Bridge, Canada's busiest border crossing in Windsor, Ontario. The most important trade link between Canada and the United States, a real choke point for the auto industry. Plants had to close because parts weren't getting across. Uh, And I think it's something in the neighborhood of $300 million a a day in trade that goes across that one bridge. But uh, after an influx of police, by Sunday, they had uh, whittled that group of protesters down to a smaller number. And then they made a number of arrests and cleared the bridge. In Coots, Alberta, where protesters had been slowing or blocking traffic since the end of January, RCMP arrested 11 people and seized a cache of guns. In Ottawa, though, it was a different story. Or actually, it was the same story we've been hearing for the third week now. Well, despite this tough talk from the Premier on Friday, things seem to continue as they have been, with protests on the streets of Ottawa and, in fact, There were counter-protests where protesters blocked the path of vehicles associated with this convoy. And then we had this bizarre uh, exchange uh, where the mayor seemed to enter into discussions with the protesters and said that an agreement had been reached uh, to limit them to an area right in front of uh, Parliament Hill. One of the leaders of this group said that that wasn't true. By the time Jeff and I were done talking on Monday, some trucks had actually moved from more residential streets to Wellington Street, right in front of Parliament Hill. But Ottawa's downtown core is still packed with large trucks and protesters. And I think um, the frustration that you've seen in Ottawa about the police, the mayor, all levels of government, uh, people are really lost faith, I think, in the ability of the government to sort of maintain basic order. You've got hot tubs on the streets of Ottawa, and um, now we have talk of the possibility of, a, of invoking the Federal Emergencies Act. Uh, you know, another, another step, more powers to try and get this thing resolved. Late Monday afternoon, that's exactly what Prime Minister Justin Trudeau did. The federal government has invoked the Emergencies Act to supplement provincial and territorial capacity to address the blockades and occupations. With the Emergencies Act, the government is also taking a harsher stand on protesters' finances. Deputy Prime Minister and Finance Minister Christia Freeland delivered that news on Monday as well. We are today serving notice. If your truck is being used in these illegal blockades, your corporate accounts will be frozen. The insurance on your vehicle will be suspended. Send your semi-trailers home. Today, Jeff Gray on the Emergencies Act, what it could do to help bring about the end of the protests, and where the provincial government stands in all of this. You're listening to The Decibel.
Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Glad to be here. So broadly speaking, I guess, what powers would the Emergencies Act give the federal government? Well, it's it's the successor to the War Measures Act, which Justin Trudeau's father, Pierre Trudeau, invoked in the October crisis uh, with the famous quote, just watch me. It's a little different now. It gives the government sweeping powers to tell people not to go places, to come into resources, uh, but it is subject to the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And uh, you'd have to get uh, Parliament to ratify it at a certain point. Um, it's not dissimilar from the other levels of government with emergency legislation, except that I think, you know, in this case, obviously, we're looking at the possibility of the military being involved. I mean, this is the kind of thing you would invoke in a, a flood or some sort of natural disaster where there isn't time to go to Parliament to get permission to do uh, a variety of things. You would give the executive the power to do all that right away. But, it, you know, it, it does allow for the government to ban, say, public assembly. That would be a direct measure aimed at, at these protests. You mentioned the the prospect of potentially involving the military here. And I think that is kind of a, a big question on a lot of people's minds when they hear that the federal government is invoking something called the Emergencies Act. From what you've heard, Jeff, I guess, what is the connection here between invoking the Emergencies Act and calling in the military? Is this a first step or is this something different? There's been a lot of signals from all levels of government that they're very reluctant to see the military deployed against a protest on Canadian soil. Premier Ford today said, look, police forces have the tools they need. We gave them some more tools on Friday. They now have these new laws um, that threaten very large fines. We're going to try and take these people's licenses away. We're going to impound their vehicles, all these sorts of things. But we've heard from the police throughout this thing, the, the Ottawa chief saying that they they don't have the resources they need to deal with it. So there's a lot of questions about just the basics of how could it be that a, a protest uh, like this causes so much disruption in, in the capital. And, and, you know, leaving aside, of course, the issue that people have the right to protest peacefully. But, you know, there's all these questions about the way police treat other protesters, wh- the way they treated mm-hmm. First Nations groups when they blockaded rail lines. And, and here in Toronto, when the police cleared homeless people out of a park, uh, a number of parks. Uh, there's been a lot of comparisons between the way those police operations were handled and this one was handled. So uh, the mm-hmm. whole thing is uh, it's just a mess. I mean, let's let's talk about that a little bit, though, Jeff. Like, what I guess, what are we missing here? What is preventing the police from really going in the way that I think many people would expect them to? Many people have seen them do so in similar circumstances. So, so what's happening here? Well, nobody knows. Some people say, look, um, the police have a number of people who are in their ranks who maybe are sympathetic to the protesters and their aims. Mm-hmm. To what extent that's true, we don't know. To what extent the Ottawa police were simply unprepared, don't have a plan, uh, and got caught when it was too late. You know, things seem to get out of control. And, you know, on the other hand, in Toronto, where maybe the number of trucks, the number of protesters was was not as great. Uh, police were ready. Uh, it seems to be uh, that they were able to close streets and convince people not to stick around. I guess the question really is here, like, why do we need these declared emergencies at all? Don't we have normal laws that can do some of these these jobs in, instead of, you know, jumping to the, the big solution there? That is always the, the discussion, I guess, about this kind of legislation. I mean, a lot of our laws depend on people basically following them. You know, we don't have enough police. If everybody wanted to break the law tomorrow, there's no way. The society really depends on kind of the good nature and the willingness of people to follow the, the rules. 
And there are laws, of course, now. The police can tow you or there's parking offenses. Or you can't block a road. But the penalties for doing that are lower than the ones that the premier brought in on Friday. $100,000 fine under the, emergency, the Provincial Emergency Act is, um, is a lot of money. So is a year in jail, theoretically. We'll see if anybody actually ends up convicted under that. Yeah, I, I, think it's, I think it's made a lot of people really feel very uneasy about their trust in the government's ability to kind of just, you know, that basic, the basic promise of the Constitution, peace, order, and good government. We've talked a little bit about, I guess, the the Ontario state of emergency that was declared. Let's let's talk about what Premier Doug Ford is is doing, and, and I guess his response to all of this. What has Ford said about ending these protests and blockades, and and, and how the province is is going to help do that? Well, there was a lot of discussion initially about how he hadn't said enough, he hadn't done enough, and early on when when these things started, he sort of made comments like, "I support truckers, but I want everybody to get vaccinated." and that was kind of, he was talking to some talk radio stations and so on when he was making comments like that. Since then, though, Friday and even before that, he's called it an occupation, he's called it illegal, he's called it a siege. I call it a siege because that's what it is. It's an illegal occupation. This is no longer a protest. With a protest... He said it's time to go and he's brought in these, uh, the emergency powers and... All it really does is give the government the ability to do things that um, it can't do uh, without the legislature passing laws. So what the government's done in this case is they've used it um, to pass emergency orders that would make it illegal to block a highway, road, bridge. And he's, uh, they have devoted more police resources. The OPP is involved. So that's kind of where he has landed um, and I think that his critics will say, should have said this stuff earlier. And the Ambassador Bridge, it was cleared. You know, it took longer than a lot of people would have liked, but it didn't take anywhere near as long as it seems to be taking in Ottawa. I, we should mention that the city of Ottawa has also declared a state of emergency. So now we have the city of Ottawa, the provincial government of Ontario declaring a state of emergency as well. And then now looks like the federal government invoking this Emergencies Act. So, I mean, this is this seems substantial. So we've got all three levels of government making some kind of emergency declaration. What does this tell us, Jeff, about what's happening and, and the level, I guess, of, of what's happening in Ottawa right now? Well, I think it shows that... Uh Governments and I think people of Ottawa are uh, hitting the last straw uh, and not sure how this thing gets resolved uh, without extraordinary measures, which shouldn't be needed in the normal course of a protest over government policies that happens in Ottawa. They're pretty used to protests in Ottawa. It's not just Ottawa. There's still also uh, problems at some other border crossings. Um, and we're going to find out, I think, a little bit more about how the next few days go and whether this thing gets resolved sooner rather than later. Let's bring it back to the provincial response here. So Ontario Premier Doug Ford, he recently invoked a state of emergency. He also held a press conference on on Monday morning speaking about COVID restrictions in the province. What did he say on Monday morning? Uh, Yeah, the Premier came out today and um, as had been signaled uh, now for a couple of weeks, came out with a plan to speed up the pace at which Ontario was already lifting 
its COVID-19 restrictions, mainly the capacity limits that restaurants and other businesses have been working under. But he also went further, as the Chief Medical Officer of Health had suggested the province would do last week, they've decided they're going to lift the vaccine passport uh, Mm. system March 1st if COVID infections, hospitalizations, everything else continues to look good and, 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 and decline. And that's the QR code that you would need to get into like a, a restaurant or restaurant, a, bar, gym, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that's going to be gone March 1st. And the premier was very uh, careful to point out, uh, I'm not doing this uh, because of the protests. I'm, I'm doing this despite that. I'm doing it because my chief medical officer of health has recommended that we do this now, that the numbers are declining, that vaccinations are high, and we can, uh, the province can, can move ahead. We don't need this uh, passport. At the same time, and at the recommendation of Dr. Moore, we will lift proof of vaccination requirements for all settings. So Doug Ford is is making a point then of saying he's not caving to the protesters, even though he is easing restrictions. What has the Ontario Science Table said about easing restrictions? So they have generally in the last couple go rounds been supportive of some loosening of restrictions, but they said it needed to be done cautiously and gradually. The modeling, the last two rounds of modeling they have put out, both suggested that there were you know, possible worst case scenarios um, where we would see significant boosts in hospitalization and um, uh, ICU use. So, however, the the numbers seem to be tracking the best case scenarios. um, And we haven't seen that significant bump, the numbers of people in hospital, the number of people in intensive care, while still high, are really sinking now. Mm -hmm. And so the government... um, feels it's, it's on the right side of those graphs and, and can, can do this. And not just the government, but the Chief Medical Officer of Health as, as well. And we should specify that the, the province is keeping mask mandates in place, so you still need to wear a mask. Yes. The, the vaccine passport, that will be removed. The Premier said masks need to stay for just a little bit longer. One thing to think about within Ontario, too, of course, is that the province is heading into a provincial election later, later this spring. What do people at, at Queen's Park, what, what have you been hearing about how much this looming election is, is factoring into, one, how the, the government is handling the pandemic and restrictions, but, but also handling these protests? Well, that is a question that certainly comes up and the opposition like to say, oh, you are doing this because there's an election coming. Uh, you know, you're loosening things because there's an election coming. And I think it's more complicated than that because... Yes, there's an election coming, uh, and if the government loosens things too much and ends up in a wave of COVID in May when it's trying to fight an election, that's also a really bad result for Doug Ford. No one wants a resurgence of the, of the pandemic for, for all sorts of reasons, but in, in particular, if you're going to be fighting an election campaign, you do not want the hospitals to be jammed. You want to be moving past this thing. I mean, there's a broader question about whether this, th- this election is going to be a referendum on the pandemic and how... Doug Ford handled it. Will it be a referendum on how Ontario is emerging from the pandemic? What the next steps are for the economy? You know, those are questions that we still don't know because we don't know. I don't think people know how things are going to go in the next 24 hours, let alone um, in in May when the campaign really is uh, 
is going. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time to speak with us today. Oh, thanks for having me on. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovic is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.